0: I'm in my room <laughs> I have to say it another time I have to lead into it yes because yes, we yes. can't start in the middle of the conversation
1: <laughs> although we always
0: do I know but you know we should at least say what we're talking about and that takes yeah. some time
1: yes yes, so
0: yes we have to take a moment we have to take a breath Whatever the heck time it is. What the heck time is it? 9.01 a.m. Today. June something. June 13th. Saturday, June 13th, 2020. I'm Bill.
1: I'm Diane.
0: It's the Bill and Diane Episode 331, I think, or something like that. Goodness gracious. Well, we've just been having a, you know, a discussion. All the good stuff has already been said, so we might as well just forget about it, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you missed out.
0: Yeah, geez, we did, you know.
1: I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip.
0: I should just turn the recorder on when I'm coming downstairs, and then I we can catch all the little tidbits. i yeah, ham and eggs. But then you'd be in the kitchen talking, I'd be out here, there'd be yelling going on, <laughs> they would be, you know, it wouldn't be as succinct and is uh, contained and it wouldn't may be it, too free-ranging and,
1: may and... i just note that the zoom calls are odd because everybody feels the necessity to speak or at least i do to speak louder than you usually would so everybody's kind of going up
0: oh. everybody's kind of going
2: oh.
1: <laughs> speaking in really loud voices <laughs>
0: not their normal voices not you know. their
1: normal voices that's yeah, true it and is, you do need to do it i mean you you can't just talk in your normal voice because no one could hear you
0: well what, what okay <laughs> yes that's true diane that it's is, just a little that observation is a weird thing about zoom calls but i would not be without zoom calls.
1: oh god me neither they've been so, in fact <laughs> we've We've had some pretty incredible discussions. Yeah, we had uh, by a great.
0: Zoom. We we were on Zoom for three hours with Scott and Rhonda, night before yeah. last, and uh, stayed up way too late. But we were just you know I didn't want didn't want it to end.
1: I know. Neither did I. I kept looking at the time and thinking I've got to go to bed. <laughs> I've got to go
0: to bed. But this is so good. And, and then and you know have you thought about it, people? I mean, I'm getting together with friends that I don't get to see. That's you right. You know. Like the the my friends that I've gone camping with for forty years, you know, Alan and Tim and Ray and Brad and Paul. You know, we don't get together except maybe once a year, so that we can all be in the same room and we go around the circle. We do our our check ins and stuff like that. This we have this whole ritual that we've built up over the thirty years. There's more that we've been going into the wilderness together in one way or another, either literally or metaphorically and now we're doing it on a zoom call and we can do it every couple of weeks and i'm like wow why didn't we think of this before
1: well i just don't think we were thinking until the the technology is in front of you and you could think about the different ways to use it and it just isn't really Uh, something you think of
0: right so it's uh, you know it's a blessing although it's very strange and you know the i think the thing that is making everybody just kind of on the edge of wetness all the time. Is the lack of tact of a tactile world the lack of a being able to make actual physical contact with other people? Yeah, uh, and I think it's that's that's very hard. That's the thing that's the, that is really challenging and is makes everybody feel a little crazy.
1: Well, I have you know, to say that we had you and I had sort of a prep for this kind of thing because when we first got together, we were not able to be physically in contact, a lot of times. Yeah. And I think that that's why a lot of uh, relationship, long long distance relationships can't survive. But I was so- We kind in- of
0: learned how to communicate, you know. Yeah. Uh, in as many ways as we could without being able to actually physically be together, you know, through, exactly. through audio files sending back and forth. and. And things on long phone calls and things like that. But I think the audio files were, was a... Even for me, it was an outgrowth of my childhood. I mean, that was the way my parents or my father communicated with his parents in Idaho, was to record tapes.
1: Yeah. Well, I even we think the re- Bill and Diane show comes out yeah, of that, right? Right. You know, it's the, it's
0: this re- the reel-to-reel tape recorder that my grandfather bought for my folks in 1961. That became... You know, it was spoken letters, you know, back and forth. We wrote letters, too, but we, you know, everybody got to talk on the tape, and everybody sat around and listened to the new tape from, from our grandparents when it came and stuff like that. And it was just uh, something that got established so early in my childhood that it never seemed very weird. So, like, right. when my sister went off to college, I would make tapes for her. I was We were using cassettes by that time, right. uh, and we would make cassettes back and forth. I remember making cassettes for Alan hicks when he was up in alaska you know talking uh things or little productions that i would do the japanese chef versus the specter of doom and, you know, <laughs> another one called hard drugs and you know things that i would these little theatrical cassettes that i would send to friends and stuff like that And that's how the lunatic cafe got got its theatrical elements is from because i was doing that kind of I love your mind Whatever. so much. Whatever, but now it's so like so much. Now I feel like the the Tuesday night live streaming things are kind of the next level of that too. You know, sometimes I think because people keep telling me that I, that it has a, it's got a you you know you know how to make it into something that's kind of got a shape to it and it's kind of and I'm like what the what are they talking about? <laughs> I don't even know what people are talking for me. It's like I'm.
1: Pardon me, I'm having to drink of coffee.
0: Flying from the by the seat of my pants from the moment the thing goes live. Do you. I'm just kind of like, oh, okay, it's good coffee. What I next? Uh, you know. Well, I think I never... it's just
1: that you, you are able to genuinely speak from your heart oh, um, in a way that not everybody could without a person in the room. I, you I know.
0: Know. I know. Anyway, it's a, that's a long, a long tangent, off the main point, which was talking about Judy Collins, and and how Judy Collins represented for both you and me. Adolescence, and the kind of the the. I mean, I always thought of it at the time as as incredible self-absorption, you know. I you know, and I would I would be in it, and then I would feel bad about having been in it, <laughs> yeah. you know. And never was that so profoundly impactful because it was new that those sets of emotions, uh, this incredible loneliness. Uh, I would be in love with you know someone, of course, and that that just the ache, and then you know and I would need I would f- I would just I I knew that I needed to go up into my room close and lock the door because I had a lock on my on my door I you know I didn't ask where it was there when we moved in I just I discovered it one time and thought mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just this little lever on the side of the thing and and I could lock my door and I could crank up Judy Collins and lay on my bed and cry yeah you know and it was like I needed it you know I always felt better afterwards and then I felt bad for you know I just felt like you know I'm so self-centered and so you know you know just how can I you know all I do is sit around and feel sorry for myself all the time you know but I think that is part and parcel of adolescence and you just are you're Whatever the hormonal things that are going on in your body, or, or whatever is happening at that time, you just can't help it, and you're just and it's just you feel things so intensely, and it's like you know, it you feel like it's going to kill you, it's so intense, and you because you've never had that kind of feeling before, and uh, it's so new and so you know, seeming like overwhelming, uh, and. So Judy Collins always worked. Don McLean worked good too, but not as well as Judy Collins because Judy Collins had that had more orchestration, you know, and the, the, something in the strings. So when the strings would come in, it was like. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and her voice has a melancholy yeah, to it yeah, too. Yeah. So anyway. Well,
1: I love the fact that you said that she was the representation of adolescence, adolescent <laughs> angst. Yeah. Because I thought, yeah, that's a perfect term for it. And um, the reason why we were talking about this is we decided for music today to go back to our...
0: Ten ten influential albums.
1: Ten influential albums, and Judy Collins' Colors of the Day was on both of our lists. And for me, the the album, much the same as for Bill... uh, it came into my life because my brother, you know, he he had the album. I don't know what inspired him to get it, but I loved it when I first heard it. I just fell in love with the album. Yeah. And as we were trying to even decide on the songs, it's difficult because of all, this, the, yeah. all the songs. Well, it's are kind of a, it was
0: kind of a Greatest Hits album, I think, right. at that time, or a Best Of. And I didn't know that when I bought the album. I wanted Suzanne. And so when I went to the record store, I was looking for the album that had Suzanne on it. Right, and that's the one I found. And I bought it, thinking that this was the album that Suzanne first appeared on. But it wasn't until later that I realized, oh no, this is kind of a kind of a best of. Um, but that's okay. That's okay. It became it became the centerpiece of my Judy Collins uh, experience, uh, nonetheless. Well, and, and the... the timing of of it, and all of the songs on it, fed into that. Kind of, I mean, Suzanne is like that too. It's just this, you know, It's just loneliness. It's, yeah. it's you know. And it's hypnotic too. Someone it's... who's bereft. Someone yeah. who's been, someone who's been emotionally wrenched in one way or another. You know, and uh, so, but but what I was thinking as we were turning on the recorder is that when I hear that music, because you had played uh, houses, uh, yeah, which is from a different album, uh, when I hear those songs. I am in my adolescent bedroom. I can picture it precisely, uh, and I had the old family. I had two record players. I had the old family hi-fi uh, up there by that time, and I also had this little J C Penny, you know, with the three-inch speaker in it, uh, record player, and I would play. I don't know why I used one or the uh, over the other, uh, but I used. to, I remember playing Judy Collins on that little J C Penny thing, and just laying on my bed and weeping. And I could picture the entirety of my room, the posters on the wall—the John Denver posters, the Bob Dylan poster I had on my wall. Although I didn't—I don't think I owned any Bob Dylan music at that time. Oh, I had his greatest hits, and uh, just how it would feel to be in there by myself—and it was, it was a, it was a good feeling. But I always ended up feeling bad about it <laughs> because I felt so self-indulgent. And,
1: Well, since you had not told me prior to your posting the different albums that were influential with you, I was actually, I had been composing my own list in my mind of which ones I would choose. Mm -hmm. And Judy Collins was, (coughs) this particular album was on it because I was thinking about, okay, so what really influenced me from my childhood, what really influenced me in my teen years, and So when you posted that up, I was like, I had no idea that that was so important to Bill. Mm. I always loved the songs that Judy Collins wrote. And she was known as a wonderful interpreter of other people's songs. And uh, in fact, she did some amazing versions of musicals that I, uh, particularly Marat Saad, that... Uh, I still Saint, love to Saint hear, the clown. yeah, uh, Pirate Jenny, <laughs> um, a lot of different songs that were quite dramatic and wonderful. But I always loved the songs that she wrote, yep. and when uh, when I was in Victory Music, one time Chris came by and said, how would you like to interview Judy Collins, and I was like, what? <laughs> And he said, well, I got a press release from, she had changed record
0: labels. record
1: labels, and he had gotten a press release from the record label that was carrying her at that time, saying that she was available for interviews, and he said, what do you think? And I said, oh, I don't think she would do it for us, you know, and he said, well, why don't we check and yeah, see yeah. and she did she did an interview with with me right. and I was terrified to be on the phone with her but uh, I think the reason why she really liked the call was because I wanted to talk about her albums that was what I wrote about well I mean excuse me her her writing writing yeah. her songs her composing and she told me about how she did the process and and it was just amazing to be able to talk to this person that I had admired all, yeah, all of my life that you would know be a trip.
0: it was like at the time I got to meet Pete Seeger
1: yeah it's it's a little and I in my own head I can hardly believe that I ever got to do that yeah. <clears throat> she was very gracious and was not hurrying me off the phone either of course she was older at that time and i think she was not as much in favor right. the... I and mean,
0: she went through a period where she was hungry again yeah you know, kind of thing
1: but it was such a pleasure to to do that interview with her i'm sure and it was because of the songs that i love so much that she wrote and they're the ones with all the orchestral lush yeah. <laughs> background and the melancholy vocals over them, and but when you speak of the adolescent angst, I always think about this one of the songs that uh, I would like to include from this, which is "Albatross," which she wrote, yeah. because man, it just described my experience of being an adolescent so uh, powerfully, you know that that. Uh, <laughs> all these people are coming to you and trying to give you these wonders yeah. and trying to sort of i love the the line and tell you why and ask you why either way you answer yeah. you know that that people are <laughs> are always after you in some way and i used to listen to that song all the time and it was represented as sort of a song by the ocean. And we used to go to Cannon Beach and I used to listen to that song and think about my adolescent life, you know.
0: You'd look at the photo on the back cover of her with the seagull over her. Yeah. She's got her arm up in the air. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. that was I don't know what she was able to do in those songs and in those recordings too. Uh, But man, there was something so she just it's like loneliness crystallized you know and for some reason those songs just represented all of that so profoundly at that particular time in my life that it was a a guaranteed guaranteed weeper guaranteed i knew if i needed to feel like that i knew exactly where to go and
1: And i think about this period of time we're going through now and think mournful melancholy is lonely <laughs> lonely is the order of the day I think and so even though but I think
0: it also is you know it's it's kind of uh, it's a, it's kind of it's creating a kind of a reset too I mean, it's reminding us of some things that uh, are uh, vital that maybe we lost sight of a little bit oh you yeah know, certainly societally I think it's doing that I don't know, I think it's a, a reset to perhaps our societal moral compass, you know, it seems like we're kind of getting on track again to create a society that we can all live in and be okay about, you know, not and not be ashamed of.
1: I uh, surely hope so. Yeah, well, Because too. I see a lot of, of hopeful signs and a lot of frightening signs at the same time. Yeah. And but
0: I think the hope has uh, got the frightening stuff outnumbered. Certainly,
1: and that's the way I feel, yeah. and I and I hope that yeah. that, that is true. Yeah. Um, I still know that there is. I wish that I remember who said this, because it's somebody famous. But I remember the this one person saying that. Just think about it. Tyranny has never won out in the end, huh. you know it may be that it wins for a time but it never wins forever and i have really hoped that that's true now and i think that uh, for me lately i've been i've been thinking that maybe our current president is exactly the the, uh, the, tonic, in, the tonic the tonic we needed yeah kind of the kick in kind the of teeth like the you paragoric
0: or kind of whatever that what is that stuff you take so that you can throw up
1: yeah
0: <laughs> you know what is that and there's a there's a substance that you take if you've taken a poison you need to force Ipecac, yourself epicac yeah, syrup epicac yeah. epicac yeah. yeah well <laughs> sorry got a little
1: uh, I just feel like when I was out on a walk recently I was thinking about how he is such a curated public face, just like what you were talking about with uh, that he is not that person that he's representing uh, as the big tough guy and I think everybody can see the fear that resides within him and I feel like that is important for us to see what the ultimate outcome of the way that we've been behaving Here's what is. happens when
0: you swing too far this way. Yeah. <laughs> and we may very well find out what happens when you swing too far the other way. Yeah. too. Yeah. You know? Because it's, it's, it represents an extreme. And I think we've been swinging as a society into the extreme areas. And, uh, I, I think people are learning that you can't just not pay attention and everything's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. Everything'll be fine. It's it's not something we can do anything about. I think we're learning, realizing that that's just not the case. That if you're going to be part of this society, then you got to participate um, in all aspects of it. And some of it involves taking time away from things you'd rather be doing. You know, but somehow all of that, that big swirl, that big emotional swirl, that has some. Echoes of that adolescent uh, angst. uh, Uh, Yeah, it does. uh, Leads us back to Judy Collins. And the beauty of her music. Right, right.
2: comes to the gate, dressed in lavender and leather, looking north to the sea. She finds the weather fine. She hears the steeple bells ringing through the orchard all the way from town. She watches seagulls fly, Stitching through the waves, the edges of the sky Many people wander up the hills from all around you Making up your memories and thinking they have found you They cover you with veils of wonder as if you were bride. Young men holding violets are curious to know if you have cried and tell you why and ask you why, either way, you answer. Lace around the collars of the blouses of the ladies, flowers from a Spanish friend of the family. The embroidery of your life holds you in and keeps you out, but you survive. Imprisoned in your bones behind the icing glass window. the night the iron wheels rolling through the rain down the hill through the long grass to the sea and in the dark never be a prince around.